Welcome to the story we tell ourselves. This is a podcast for women across Canada. We cover all range of topics, ministry, leadership, the tensions we face, balance in our lives, mental health and well-being, spiritual disciplines, conflict resolution, church health. There are so many things. I am your host, Rebecca McNeely, and this is a Salvationist Women podcast. I hope you enjoy. Stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I Here I am today with Ray Lamont, someone I deeply respect and also very much like. So I'm happy to be on here with her today. And she is the lead of the Modern Slavery and Human Trafficking Committee for Canada and Bermuda. And I do think it's kind of a zonal thing too. So she's going to (laughs) explain that. But I'm also on the committee, minor role, but I'm on the committee and it does amazing work. So I'll just let Ray introduce her role herself. Yeah. So first of all, I want to say you do not play a minor role on the territorial committee. You are a territorial advocate and you also represent women's ministry, um, you know, that department on our committee. I also have a lot of respect and deep love for you as well. Um, So my role is as the territorial monoslavery human trafficking response coordinator is to really kind of develop and implement and drive what we call our fight for freedom strategy. Um, and to build a team around that, to see this work kind of develop, start, continue, expand across Canada and Bermuda with our fight for freedom strategy. We focus on four things. We want to bring education and awareness and training um, to people within the Salvation Army, but also outside of the Salvation Army as well. We believe that as an organization, we are strategically positioned throughout this territory to help prevent this from happening. So we want to engage in prevention and outreach. We also uh, have as another goal, we want to be supporting um, individuals with lived experience. So, you know, as they're trying to exit, as they are exiting, as they're journeying towards their own personal well-being and the goals that they're establishing for themselves and what justice looks like for them, we want to support them in that and help create safe spaces for that to happen. And then last but not least, in our fight for freedom strategy, we want to partner, we want to collaborate. And that is not only internally within the Salvation Army and all of our departments and all of our location and all of the work that we do, but also with external partners. We, um, you know, we want to support the work that they're doing and, you know, work together to end modern slavery and human trafficking. But uh, And then that also includes advocacy. So working with the government, seeing laws change, seeing laws come into being. So that's kind of what I'm about and what the team's about. It's what you're about too. (laughs) Absolutely. It's exactly what I'm about. Um, I'm curious if you, and that you laid it out so brilliantly and the work we're doing, I am curious, you've been doing this for a while now. Were you doing some of this work in your last appointment as well? Yes. Yes, you were. Yeah. So I've kind of, I've been very fortunate. I've been very blessed that kind of all throughout my officership, there have been, you know, key people, key moments, key opportunities that have allowed me to kind of 
become more aware, to get educated, to step out of my comfort zone, um, and to try um, to get involved in outreach and prevention and supporting people with lived experience. At specifically my last appointment, I was in uh, Athens, Greece for almost four years. And so in that role for Greece, I was the anti-human trafficking coordinator. During that time um, that my family and I were there, it was like right in the heaviest part of the refugee crisis. So, so many people, we had about four waves um, coming in from different parts of the Middle East and then Africa, um, you know, trying to gain access uh, to the rest of Europe through, through Greece. And so we just had thousands upon thousands of people coming into the country who were experiencing so many vulnerabilities. And um, we as an organization where we were located in the middle of a red light district, really um, structuring our work and our outreach and everything that we did to support people who were extremely vulnerable, but also people who were experiencing um, trafficking and exploitation. So, yeah. I mean, it's such heavy work. I can only imagine like the weight that you've, you know, been bearing over the years, but also I'm sure there's been moments of great, like rejoicing as you've seen good changes. And I'm wondering if in this, like, you know, time that you've been doing this work, has your understanding of modern slavery and human trafficking shifted? Have you, would you look at things differently now than you would have 10 years ago, for example? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I would say being in Greece was so like instrumental. It was so impactful. I I feel like I went to Greece as one person and I came home a very different person because it just so deeply impacted me. Um, I think one of of the biggest things that I have learned, uh, and I learned this again in Greece, is that um, I am not God, (laughs) right? Like, I cannot save people. I cannot change situations. And a lot of the time in my own humanness and my own desire, so wanting to change a situation or to help someone or to see somebody exit, I get in the way of God's plans. I get in the way of what he is doing and what he wants to do. Um, And so I have learned that I just need to get out of the way and I need to let God be God. I need to let him shine. I need to let him do exactly what he is so capable and so perfect of doing and just follow along. And so as he's opening the doors, as he's whispering in my ear, as he is putting things into place, I just need to chase after him. And when I'm in that position, um, when I'm doing that, things are happening like beyond my wildest dreams. When I'm not doing that and I'm getting in the way, um, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it just, it's bad, right? Because in my humanness and my flesh, I'm, I'm messing things up. In the summer, um, there is this um, story that God really put on my heart again. And it, to me, just reminded me of, you know, everything that we do in this type of ministry and this type of work and everything that we're doing right now in this in this work as part of this, this territory. And it's in Second Chronicles 20, and it's um, King Jehoshaphat. He's just come back to Judah. He was, you know, fighting with King Ahab. Ahab wasn't supposed to go to war. The prophet Micaiah tells him that. He does it anyway. He dies. Jehoshaphat comes back to Judah and he um, immediately like works on turning the people of Judah back towards God. 
And then he appoints all these judges. And so right after that happens, there's three nations that kind of gather together and they say, we're coming for you, Jehoshaphat. We're coming for the nation of Judah. And when he is told that this is happening, he immediately says, you know, I got to I'm going to go back to God. I got to see what we got to do. And he calls all the nation together and they come like they literally come together and they fast. They remember like the goodness of God. And then Jehoshaphat says it's in verse 12 B, you know, these vast armies are coming against us and we don't know what to do, but keep our eyes on you. And then after that, Spirit of the Lord falls on one of the people there, and they 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 share this word that, you know, the battle belongs to the Lord, you know, and he's going to tell them what to do. And as they're doing it, as they're praising, as they're worshiping, God ambushes these three nations, and the battle is won. And I think for, you know, uh, getting involved in modern slavery and human trafficking response work, <laughs> there's vast enemies coming against us. Like the attacks are heavy, the issue is big, it is hard. And honestly, at times, I don't know what to do. I think all of us, we don't know what to do when we're faced with the enormity of what a person with lived experiences is experiencing. But when our eyes are on God, the battle belongs to Him and He will make a way, He will open doors, He will do the impossible. Mm. We just got to keep our eyes on Him, get out of the way. So I think, yeah, that. I'm still sitting in this space, like just thinking that through over and over. And honestly, like, it's pretty nice for me to hear you talk about this because like I said, we, I'm on this committee and, you know, we sit in these meetings together where we discuss a lot of the more like practical ways that we're fighting against modern slavery and human trafficking. And I mean, we always open with prayer and things like that, but I don't actually get the opportunity to hear you talk about like your framework entirely. I mean, I know it's there, but like mm-hmm. it, it would be kind of impossible work to do without a robust framework of hope that resides in something outside of our capacity as people to make a difference. Like, yeah. I just don't know if we could, you know, yeah, stick it out and not completely burn out. And also, you know, sitting with differences like people who have lived experiences, you know, in sex work and human trafficking and these various things, like I, I have no idea what that is like. And so I find myself in a position of wanting to be impactful, but not knowing, Mm -hmm. yeah, not knowing what I can be for something so massive and so different from my, you know, the way I've lived, Um, which kind of leads me to that point, you know, with that framework in mind as, as followers of Jesus and that hope, what actually can like I do, you know, what, what, what can an everyday person do, um, in the, I feel like this is such weak language, but in the fight against MSHC, you know? Yeah. To help end it. Right. Cause that's our goal. We want to end this. We don't want anybody being, you know, trafficked or exploited and to live through that trauma and then have to like work through that, like that, the healing of that trauma. Yeah, no. Um, I think what's really, really interesting in Canada, Bermuda, um, I would say probably a lot of countries around the world is that we just have this mentality that is not happening here. Right. So we watch movies like Taken or even Sound of Freedom 
that just came out this summer and it's happening somewhere else. And so we have to go somewhere else um, to, to help out or to see it or, you know, to know that it's happening there. But the reality of it is, is it's happening here in Canada. It's happening here in Bermuda. You know, there's so much statistics around it. 93% of, you know, um, people experiencing uh, sexual exploitation are Canadians, right? Like born here in Canada are, are Canadians, right? Um, you know, over 50% of them are Indigenous women and girls, and they only make up 4.3% of our population. Our temporary foreign workers program, you know, all, all of this, right? Um, it is happening here in Canada and Bermuda. Can I just, can I ask you a quick question that I, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but um, so this is something I've actually wondered a lot about. Yeah. Do you think that we, I haven't seen The Sound of Freedom, so I, I don't, I've never seen the movie, so I've heard a little bit about it, but yeah. do you think um, we tend to like tell that story, which happens certainly, but the, it's kind of, it feels like the worst case scenario story, you know, like it's a child, it's, they're taken from right under, out from under you, you know, there's 11 parents in this situation and it's just, you know, there's a shipping container, like it's horrible, like it's the extreme, but while that might happen, it could in some way obscure. Absolutely. The like reality that trafficking is perhaps a little more, you know, like parents who are not able to be present because they're in low income neighborhoods and kids who feel abandoned and neglected and run away, you know, whatever it might be. Absolutely. I think, you know, um, taken (laughs) is like, (laughs) right. Um, you know, it's not a sound of freedom. You know, it does a good job of raising the awareness of, and the idea that there is human trafficking and exploitation happening in the world. But unfortunately, you know, you want to sell movies, you want to sell a story within a movie. So there's sensationalism, there's generalization, um, you know, there's kind of facts that are being missed or or misconstrued. And that doesn't help, you know, us as the general public to really be able to identify it happening when it's happening all around us, you know, and it is happening all around us in Canada. It is happening all around us in Bermuda. And so I think part of that is recognizing, yes, it is happening, you know, in my backyard, in my community, in my city, in my province, um, and to move, you know, away from movies and get educated, like really, truly get educated on this topic. And one of the things that we do have is our introduction to monoslavery and human trafficking response certificate. It's housed at Booth University College. It's absolutely free to do. Um, and you can do it online, self-paced, you get a certificate of completion. And so going to our website, www.salvationist.ca backslash trafficking, um, you can find out more information and sign up automatically. I think the other thing, uh, we have a lot of great resources on our webpage. And one resource that I really love is our Spot the Series posters and brochures. So there are posters, brochures that you can print out. You can put them all over your your location, your ministry unit. You can put them in the bathrooms, you know, in your sanctuary, in your offices, in the waiting room, on your doors. And they help to educate about what are those signs? 
What are those risk factors that can increase somebody or a population's vulnerability and those methods of recruitment? And then we have brochures that kind of break them down a little bit more that you can read, that you can give out to people to help not only educate yourself, but educate those that are around you. So I think those are two things that you can do. Um, I think, you know, I'm a mom. I have two beautiful Oh, I love my kids so much. They're such great kids. Um, but one of the things that I can do as a mom, as a grandparent, as you know, a mentor, as a leader, um, as an auntie, uncle, whatever, is I can teach my kids about body safety. I can teach them about internet safety. I can teach them about pornography safety. Um, because when children are informed, we help to build their resilience. We help build within them the ability to know and to be able to spot it, but then also to equip them to be able to partner with us and how to keep themselves safe, right? And we don't ever want to put the responsibility on a child, on a youth, you know, to say like, it is your responsibility on your own to keep yourself safe against skilled predators, traffickers, exploiters, abusers, but we can help equip them. And we've done some training on that. Um, so we do, we did a webinar. I think it was, yeah, June of this year. Um, so you can go watch the, the training, the recording. We're the, just in the process, uh, with us and two other territories developing some resources and, um, some really cool things, uh, to help support children and families and caregivers in this. But that is another massive prevention thing. And then know the human trafficking hotline number. Um, it's a great number. Uh, it's done by, it's, we call it the center. They have a long name. You can Google them online. Um, but their human trafficking hotline, uh, is 24 seven over 200, um, languages, uh, that they provide help in. They are trauma informed. They have this great network of connections that they can help, um, you know, provide support for people based upon what is being um, asked of. And the human trafficking hotline number is 1-833-900-1010. So, you know, Google it, look at what they provide, know that number, use it if you need it. Good. So practical. I appreciate that about this um, work that you do is like straight up, you can do something right away. There's It's accessible. And it I suspect kind of snowballs from there. A lot of the people who work on this committee, you know, probably started with one foot in just like certificates, things like this. And then before you know it, you're able to do a lot more work in the finance. Yeah. And then they're also starting to see it where they're at, right? They're starting to see it in their ministry unit, in their location. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wow, like it is happening. It has been happening. And so now like, what do I do? And, you know, we our certificate, we have monthly webinars, we have our stage two training coming out very soon, which will be things like ethical decision-making and an, and an MSHT situation, you know, self-care. How do you support people who are exiting? What is our human trafficking response protocol? How do you do safety planning? How do you do identification and screening questions? And why are you asking those questions? You know, it's that kind of stuff now that we're preparing and launching because as people are putting their foot in and it's snowballing. They're like, whoa, it is happening here. Right. So yeah. 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 Wow. Amazing. Okay. I want to end us off with a question about 
some wins, some victories. Like, what have you seen? Um, yeah, I mean, it, there's, it can probably be easy to start to become, you know, disheartened with this kind yeah. of work, but I, I know there are wins to recount. Yeah, there's, um, and I think that's important. I, I, it's important for us to look at the victories that God gives us and to celebrate them. Every year, uh, we've been doing this now. Uh, so we've done this two years. We're going to keep doing it. We do put together kind of like an annual impact report because it, again, it's important to look at those victories and, you know, praise God in the midst of it. So, you know, um, in 2022, we were able to support um, and serve, you know, through our frontline work, about 755 survivors. We um, were able to help um, 160 people with lived experience exit from their human trafficking situation last year. We created 643 safety plans with, again, people experiencing it. Uh, we provided 6,329 nights of housing for survivors. We provided life skills training to 446 survivors and 48 survivors participated in employment training that we provided. We had 32 graduate graduates from some of our in-house MSHT support programming. Um, you know, there's big things happening. We have people reaching out to us and self-identifying and we're able to come around and support, encourage, love and journey with and I think in the midst of all of that, that, it's just, you know, all praise and glory to God that he would even allow us to be in a space like this um, and to trust that we would follow and listen and hear and do as he leads and guides us. Really, truly, it's all glory and honor to him. Wow. Thank you. I actually didn't expect that I should know these things on the committee, but like that is pretty big. Those are big numbers. Those are big Huge results. Numbers. Oh yeah. my goodness. Absolutely. So much hope in that. And it's the kind of thing that kind of keeps the wind under your wings as you try to, to make a difference. Wow. Ray, thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this and for talking to me about this extremely important and pressing issue that all of us can contribute something to making a difference in. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me and just giving me an opportunity to share. Love spending time with you. <laughs> when darkness tries to roll The joy I own When brokenness and pain Is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken When darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal The joy I own When brokenness and pain all I know, I won't be shaken, no I won't be shaken, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love, my 
my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.